0: You do what Hashem Simcha, serve God, of course, with, with, uh, with Simcha, with joy. And that's really the, the ultimate essence of what Jewish life is like. And you're here, you're joyful, you have a good time, and yet 98% of the Jewish people are not in Shul Shabbos morning. All right? So, epistel, as they say in French something's missing. So, what's missing? Right? Uh, Clearly, clearly, uh, well, let let me talk about that. Let me talk about that. I think it's a very good, good, because basically what we've done is created an an insufferable kind of service. I'll tell you, I like the fact that here you made the break between Shacharis and and Torah, Torah reading, because that's a very uh, common mistake. Let me explain why, and I'm going to give you a little bit of the deep structure of the Tvilot as much as we joyful as we are we have wonderful and dale did a fantastic job my wife said that we got to steal him and bring him to uh to back to boston with us yeah i know i know i know i know we'll start the bidding we'll start at no uh but whatever uh and, and we have the joys but we often forget that there's a deep structure here to the lot t- that is often missed and that uh, understandably because it's in hebrew uh we don't always understand what we're saying and for some people it doesn't really matter because ultimately, tfilah, and I, By the way, I want you to just give you three words about tefillah. We cannot translate tefillah into English. This is not a prayer book. We do not pray. I know it's hard for Jews to believe that. We do not pray. Oh, make me tall. Give me a bike on Christmas. Oh, pray, I pray, I pray. That, this is a goyish word. It's a, it's, we live in a Christian society, and we've taken on the word prayer. This is an order of service, a door. It's like telling us on the Seder where we should be going. But it, in and of itself, this was not given at Sinai. This was given by Jewish Publication Society in Philadelphia. Okay? <laughs> this is an anthology of the Jewish people. There is nothing in here except from words of the Torah that we are saying. By the way, Shema. I hear people say, oh, I love that prayer of your Shema. But I say Shema is not a prayer. What is Shema? Shema is a Geshrei <laughs> into the world saying, Look out there! In spite of all the mishigas you see, in spite of all the conflict you see, guess what? There's really one, and, oh, and this is our craziness, a Jewish mishigas. We really believe that underneath all that conflict there is interdependence and interconnectedness and there's a hadnu and we've been carrying on this Mishagas for a while. A lot of people don't like us for that, you know, by the way. Because we have this understanding that underneath all the conflict, there may be true un- unity. So let's get away from the word prayer. And the word "filah." we don't know where it comes from. It comes from, a, we know that the reflexive verb, lehit palel, is to palel. In modern Hebrew, plili means to make an appeal. Right? You, have, you go to bet, bet bishpat plili, it's an appeals court. So there is some word of appealing for something, but it, it's reflexive. Notice that, it's reflexive. It's the same as saying, lehit la beish to get dressed. Lehit to get washed. You're not doing it out there. See, that's the problem. People think I'm praying to. You don't pray to anything. As a matter of fact, we pray to nothing, because so That's what our understanding of the divine is, that it's no thing. Nothing. The minute it becomes thing, and has thinginess, it's not the divine anymore, because it's become concentrated into something that's tangible I can touch. So it's, be, it's really become something that I can grasp. The minute I can grasp it, tefasta Ta tefasta. You grasp it, and guess what? It's no longer the divine. It becomes something you have projected. Okay? So the issue is, what are we praying for? Why should we sit there for an hour and a half? First of all, you don't have to sit there for an hour and a half. The matbeah of tefillah if you really did it, what you had to do, quote, unquote, according to the rabbis, you can get out there in 35 minutes. The question is how you do it. Right? It matters if you were in a traditional congregation and everybody knew how to mumble real well and understood what they were saying, but I mean, I mean really mumble well, because you knew what you were saying. It's called perish amiles. You really knew what the words meant. And you went there and you shuckled and you got into a thing and you went into, and the rhythm of the shuckling and the mumbling, it's cathartic. But for us, that's unnatural. We don't even like to move. Thank God we're now getting Jews out of, out of the pews. You know, we're getting pews. People are moving along. Uh, Dale tells us, come on, get up. Get up. We do the same thing in our shul. Get up, get up. It's okay. Well, your seat will be there. I promise you. When you come back, you know, for the Amidah, we tell them, why don't you stand over here? We have two wonderful faith faithfuls in our shul for Chesed and Gevurah. we say, if you need a little bit more Chesed in your life, a little more loving kindness, stand over here. Well, you're allowed to move? Yeah, you're allowed to move. It's okay. Because they've been taught we have this Protestant Lutheran model. Understand? This was the ideal. When Judaism became modern, was, how do we be decorous? That was very important, to be de- de- decorous. And if we could get back to shuckling, what's shuckling good about? Shuckling is terrific. Anybody shuckled recently? That's a wonderful thing. Shuckle, right? You go, there, there's two kinds of shuckle. There's a back and forth, and there's a side to side. I know a guy did both. He screwed himself into the floor. We didn't find him. <laughs> just, after davening, it was just a yarmulke right there. It was very, it was very, very oh, It was hard. But, but what it does, by. But what the shuckling does is you can't, you can't talk to somebody while you're shuckling. It's like God forbid, an autistic child. There's another world they get into. It's another place. And by shuckling and by mumbling and doing it, guess what? You'll lower your blood pressure. We've done all the, all the studies. We relaxation response or Benson. You become, your stress is lit. And, and you begin to realize that what you're doing is really for yourself. I know it sounds selfish, but you have a right to do this for yourself. Not only on Shabbat, but guess what? I often surprise Jews. They're actually tefillot during the week. Yes, many are surprised. (laughs) Many are surprised. Now, just to give you a little bit of a, just quickly, because I don't have a lot of time, let's open the seed door to the different sections and give you the deep structure of what was supposed to be going on. Remember, we did not have prayer books until printing. And even then, not everybody could afford them. So get get away from this idea that there was a book. Because the minute you have a book, guess what? If you say, it's not in my book, you're wrong. (laughs) You get a book, it becomes static. The text is now dead to a certain degree. It's never going to expand or contract. It may get a new new edition every 10 years. But the bottom line is, is when you you have a book, whether it's a Bible or whether it's a Siddur, it will become, if you will, static unless you open it up and give it life again and take it out of the book and bring it into yourself. I mentioned last night that you know one of the things that we talk about in how we read today is we no longer believe a book is ever finished. It's only finished when the reader takes it into him or herself. Then the book is finished. So if you ask an author, what is your book about? He says, don't ask me. Ask the person who read the book. Because my, my job as a writer is not to tell you what you should absorb from my book. My, as a giving, a work of art, and this is a work of art. This is a collection of our best poetry. That's why without Hebrew you can't appreciate it, because that's why there's so much of it, because it's so good. The stuff that's stated in this Sidur, poet- poetically-wise, those of you, and you'll know this is good stuff. You may not like the theology. That's something else we can talk about. But from the point of view of artistry, of poetry, PU team that are here are fantastic. They're great. They're clever. They're bright. They're succinct. And they say the same thing again and again. Why? Because we are a very conservative people with a small c. And when something good hits the charts, we keep it on the charts. So what do we do? We don't get rid of it. We add another one on top of it. So for instance, Basuke de Zimra, which is the second part of the service, was originally two paragraphs. I know it's hard to believe. Two paragraphs. And now it's gotten longer for two reasons. One, because there was a lot of good poetry and psalms that are put in, but also because people started coming later and later. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And you needed to have a minyan for Baruch So you began to extend Pesuke de Zimra until you made sure you had a minyan of ten people to come and say Baruch Hu. So it's not mystical, it's also practical. But the four parts of the service are this. You have the body part, right? You just go to this morning. You go to page, uh, the Moda Ani. If you look at your books, it's on page, starts on page eight. And this is called Olama Asiyah, the world of doing, the place that we are. Okay, the first thing that you're supposed to do in the morning is be there. <laughs> right? It's really, a, it's really tough. It's, it, it says not only to just become, to exist right? But to be grateful for your existence, be grateful for the capacity you have to have discernment, be grateful for the capacity you have to stand up, God, God forbid you shouldn't be able to. Then you can open your eyes and God forbid you are not It's really basic stuff. And that is the ultimate basis of all spirituality. The all basis of anything spiritual is being in the now and appreciating the gifts of the now. That's it. Everything else is gravy, my friends. Gravy. Because if you're not going to be there, it says in the prayer, we say, if I can't, if my body won't work and the places that are supposed to stay open, stay open. Places that are closed get burst open. Don't count on me for a minion. (laughs) I'm patur, really. You are exempt. If you are ill, God forbid, or not capable, you are exempt from this because ultimately you have to work on healing yourself. That's the most important thing. Everything else is extra. No extra brownie points, if you believe in brownie points for going beyond the physical if your physicality is not really in order. Okay? So that's the first part. So we've created, for instance, brachot. So you know all the morning blessings on page 10. Now the morning blessings on page 10 were put together as a list. And that's an Ashkenazi phenomenon, not a Svaradis phenomenon. The Ashkenazi are a little bit more tight-assed than the uh, Svaradim. <laughs> you may know this. It's true about Ashkenazi. So uh, Rambam... Uh, who was uh, the great Maimonides in his code says these brachot should be said existentially imagine that you had enough consciousness that you would say when you open your eyes wow you open the eyes of the blind when you stood up from the bed for the first time you'd go "Oh, my back doesn't hurt today to have that kind of consciousness before the second cup of coffee very hard Right? But that's what this is all about. It's about creating a, a way for you to deal with your existence as a real person, a real human being. So, what the Yisvar didn't even do, that? they said do it existentially. But after a while, it became clear when the Sidurim got written that they had to make a list. So now, instead of doing it existentially, they go, <laughs> right? it's like it's going to auctioning off your soul there. Let me hear. So, Amen. But it's okay because it's there. It allows us to work with it. And if, you had, if, we did our, if people actually came on time to services, you would have, seriously, I mean, what we did this morning, by the way, I want to give uh, 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 Kavod and, and Toby very terrific. I mean, we, I'm sorry you all were not exposed to what we did this morning. I mean, I know you had a joyous service. I'm sure Dale did a great job. But the bottom line once in a while, you should be exposed to a service that's brought down to its barest bones, where it's you, your breath, your heart your mind, but without the verbiage of the words. And I do this every once in a while on my shul. It's called Put Away Your sitter Shabbat. People get frightened because they want to hold on to it. <laughs> what do you mean put it away? Where should I put it? it says, I'm not going to tell you where to, where to really put it, but put it away. <laughs> and let's work on the deep structural stuff. So we work on body for a while. And we have people do exercise, etc., cetera, and yoga and stuff like that. And people say, well, that's what... But, and as one woman told me after doing this, she said, Rabbi, this is so human. That yes, Jews are human too. Because there's such a, a, a disconnect that we have between what's Jewish and what's human often for us. You know, be a good Jew. Being a good Jew is not something as being a good Jew. There's being a good human being who uses Judaism as the path to get to that. There is no being a good Jew. Because we're not Jews, we're human beings who happen to have the great, I'm grateful, I have a legacy of a Jewish ancient wisdom path. We'll talk more about it this afternoon. we we'll talk about the Jewish-Buddhist interface. So the first thing is body, olama asiyah, this world. And that's primary. And without that, everything else they say is gravy. Then you get to another place, and that's Pesuqa de Zimra. And if you look at this book particularly, it's not the one that I use, so I'm a little bit off on the pages, but I believe it's Baruch Shamar. And I don't know exactly what page that is. What page? 54. 54, right? You get another section. And I'm going real, real fast here because we only have about 15 or 20 minutes. But let me tell you what what's the second piece is about second piece about says yes you have a body and we all have bodies that unites us in a certain way but then we realize that human beings have you noticed this you might have noticed this have different temperaments (laughs) ever noticed that right besides guys the first time yeah that's pretty amazing yeah and that and the idea is how do you attune this is a good wonderful word to use attunement (coughs) musicians love the world but it's being used now more and more in the spiritual world Spiritual attunement. <coughs> attunement. How do you get to a place where you are in tune, at tune, with tune? By tune, meaning the rhythm of life, the rhythm of reality. And you don't do that intellectually, you do it with the heart, with your imagination, with your temperament, with your joy, with your sorrow, whatever it is. So you created this section, this middle section is called Olama Yitzhak the world of your creativity, but it's meant to be a place where you unite the congregation, if you're doing it congregationally, who have come from different places, different temperaments, and I work on this very hard, you have B'nai Mitzvah. When you have B'nai Mitzvah, boy, that's the work for the rabbi. And the Chachazan, right? You get 150 folks who you have no idea where they're from. And they look like a motley crew when you see them. They're coming in, and you, know, you can tell the ones who, like in my show, if they're wearing a tie, you know they're from someplace else. You know? <laughs> and they, must be, they must be a guest from Sheboygan or whatever. Whatever. But the bottom line is, is that this is the time when you work on creating community. And how do you do it? We do it through singing. We do it through psalms. We do it through everything. Nothing intellectual. Nothing intellectual. And remember, the psalms are a wonderful vehicle. The psalms have within them every emotion that we could have. Some cynically say there are two m- m- emotions. One is hallelujah, the other is smite my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> but those enemies are not the enemies without, they're the enemies within. That's hard. It's much easier to displace our enemies outside. Much easier. Then it's us and them. Right? Like Pogo once said, people even know who Pogo is in this crowd. Right? I've looked for my enemies and I've realized it's us. Right? So, in a very non-intellectual way, we try for the second part of the Tfilat to get to a place of attunement with those around us, that we're all now in the same community. We literally exhale and inhale each other. Sounds gross, I know. But sitting in a room singing, what you do is you basically make that room into everybody's, if you will, temperament. The air gets a new kind of, if you will, fullness from the energy you bring into it. Literally from the carbon monoxide and the oxygen. Something happens and you become one. So by the time you say, Baruchel, Come, let us try in some small way to offer ourselves up with our minds and our hearts the way our ancestors offered up korbanot. We too want to be close to you. Remember what the word korban means? What does korban mean? Coming closer offering. It's not sacrifice. Terrible translation. Horrible translation. Fagoyish It's not sacrifice. It's what do I do to get close? Echadni Mikarev. And then the other issue is the language of the Sidur. It is transcendent language which puts many of us off. It's Shochen Ad Marom It is a sort of transcendent view of the deity as being far above us. And in theological languages, there are two poles: there are the transcendent and the imminent, the God within and the God without. Jews live in that tension between the two. That tightrope that's created between the transcendent and the imminent is where we live. And sometimes we'll have the need for something that is far beyond us. And we need to revel in the fact that we look out at nature and we say, wow, isn't this is amazing. I'm part of this grandness that's full beyond anything I can comprehend. And then sometimes you have to look inside and you say, oh, I got to you. The little God, I'm going through such crap. Can you come with me? Will you be there for me? I don't need Zeus. And most Jews, when I say the God you don't believe in, will write down Zeus. And I say, you know, I don't believe in Zeus either. Rabbi, you don't? I thought in Judaism you have to believe in Zeus. you got to believe in a transcendent God who lives up there on high, who throws thunderbolts right when you're bad, and Hershey's kisses when you're good. you know. <laughs> and it's, 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 and it's, it's, such, it's so infantile, and yet that's one of the real challenges of American Jewish life, is people stop developing at 12 or 13. Right? What's the greatest prize you get for your bits or the greatest gift? You never have to go to Hebrew school again. It's the greatest gift you get. <laughs> it, 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 it's unfortunate, right? It's unfortunate. But that's the way it is. So you stay 12 and 13 Jewishly. Many, many people. They come at the shul once in a while. They feel they become very sophisticated in what they do in their lives. Astrophysicists, venture capitalists, industrialists, and they feel like boobs in front of the sitter and there's a dissonance that's created and they don't come back again. It's like going to the gym once a year. You get hurt. You come back in a year. <laughs> but you know what I know? That there's no growth. There's no growth if you don't do it all the time. You know that. it's no growth. If you went to a gym and they told you, I promise you, you'll be here two years, nothing's going to change. Would you join that gym? I have joined that gym. You have joined that gym. <laughs> is it the gym's fault or your fault? <laughs> no, so I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying I'm, I, What I'm saying is I see... I see all of you, um, you know, look, I'm not preaching, you often preach to the choir, but all of you have, I see from just being here for a day, that all of you in your involvement with the congregations you are in have all grown considerably. You've all taken on new levels of development Levels of skill, and you've realized that being part of this community is an ongoing process. It never stops. And there's no practice in the world, whatever is spiritual or not spiritual, the violin or the piano or trying to uh, achieve nirvana, whatever you want to do, it never is something that stops in any one moment. It's constantly fluid because you are changing ultimately all the time. Thank you very much. And then, so you have this third section of Baruch. You're now invited in by by the cantor to say, okay, we are going to be as if we were. And this word, as if, is the most important and most grandiose and most successful word of the Jewish people, as if. On Shabbat is the as if construction that has been the most successful in the entire world. As if we live as if we were redeemed. We live as if we are free. We created Shabbat, and it was the greatest contribution we've made to the world. We gave the world the idea of the weekend, and we should be getting royalties from the NFL. We get nothing for this, <laughs> or certainly least from Miller, right? Miller High Life, at least should be sending a check every once to a shul. Because without this idea of Shabbat, we would be in a place that would be what is called the life of eternal recurrence. You know, this idea that there is a locked universe that's constantly going around and around. There's never really any change. It's the way it is. And we broke out of that. Judaism breaks out and says, no, it's not a circle. It's a spiral. It's a spiral. And Shabbat is the ultimate example of that because every week I come to Shabbat, I'm not the same person I was last week. I hope that's the case. Every holiday comes comes around the same way, baby, same way, same way, all the time. But if I'm still doing a Seder when I'm 60, like when I was six, something's wrong. So our constancy, our Shabbat, our holidays, it is the, if you will, the doorpost with which you measure your growth. So you have a top, it's like a gy- 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 gyroscope, right? One gyroscope is going this way, that's the constancy of the year, and the other is us growing and changing. And that creates balance. First days, that's what I'm saying. So when you go to Baruch and you're being called, you're being saying, okay, I am now possibly in a position that only me as an individual can be. I can offer myself up. We no longer have animals or grains. I offer myself up. La atzmecha. It's a terrible word that we use in modern Hebrew. Lakriv, it means basically to, to, to be a korban, right? To be a, a victim. But it isn't being a victim. The capacity that we have to offer the best of ourselves up is precisely what makes us human. Even this Musaf service is really, one way we do it in our show, we give people a choice. They can sit in silence thinking about what can they add to the world beyond what they're adding now. Because what does Musaf mean, by the way? Add-on. It's an add-on. Okay, I've got to use these languages today. Add-ons, apps, basically. And and I have some people say the Musaf for this and that. But the point is, what's the kavanah behind saying Musaf? Yes, we can sing wonderful songs and we can do wonderful things. But what am I really doing on that Shabbat, in that five or ten minutes that I have, that says to, my, to myself and to the community around me, I still have yet something to offer? Because ultimately, our, the way we live our lives is based upon the capacity we have to not only be for ourselves, as you know, but to be for others as well. And each of us have this uniqueness, this remarkable uniqueness, that that without really being committed to offering up the best we have, you're impoverishing all of the others. Impoverishing all the others around you. So he calls you to prayer, the chazan, or she calls you to prayer, and then you say, you know what? Let's understand what the Jewish trinity is. We have a Jewish trinity. I know it's not talked about a lot. But the Trinity is creation, revelation, and redemption. Those are the three, right? It's light, love, and possibility. Light, love, and possibility. Why is light important? Because without light, there is no life. Remember 10th grade, photosynthesis. Right? No life. And then we go to love. Ahava, olam, ahava, Rabbah. Great love. As my teacher Arthur Green says so beautifully, there is no humanity without love. Love is our fuel. Right? And then we say the Shema, and the Shema is like the crown, if you will, on this three-banded ring, the crown, and it says basically the reason we have this capacity to understand ourselves is because we are connected to something that is far greater than ourselves. And love is the connection. The Shema is part of what we call, and why it was put in the service there was because of the love school of Judaism. We have a love school, right? It came from a Rabbi Hillel <laughs> Hazakid, and it went through all of his students. You may know one of his students who did very well for himself, Jesus. Did pretty good. Well, personally not too good, but the franchise the franchise was fantastic, right? Right. Uh, Jesus was of that school and then of course the most well known is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva who himself also didn't do well didn't too well personally became a, mar- mar- a martyr, but what he did was he basically said, look, the bottom line is is that the only reason we exist and have connection with each other and with the world is through love. Via hafta. So let's make that the center of the service. Remember these things were not written in stone. We don't know if Shema was said in the Bet Me'Midrash. We think it was. We're not sure what these things came from. All we know is is that the people who put the Siddur together together it took them eight hundred to nine hundred years, okay, to agree what the Seder was even. So remember, there was flexibility. A person who came up and led a service was expected to be spontaneous. Imagine today spontaneity, right? It's really hard. Even if you prepare for it, it's hard. Is <laughs> that right? It's really tough. So, so they said, ishma, and then they ended with uh, the br- bracha of ge'ulah, of redemption, or the fact that all of us have the possibility, the possibility of redemption. All of us. No matter where and when you are, you have that possibility. This is another Mishagas that we have. It explains why Jews got involved in therapeutic sciences, seriously. It explains why we both go and we go therapy. We are therapists. Why? Because we have this craziness. We believe people can change. By the way, not everybody believes that. This is a real, real chiddish, something really new in the world, to be able to say, we believe human beings can change. Because you really got to believe that. That's a faith faith proposition. And you got to be willing to stick with somebody when they go through change, because it's not easy. And that's what brings us, we have the body, we have the heart, we have the mind, Wow, we look at the world, we understand it a little better with the Shema. The clarity comes. Shema is supposed to bring you clarity. Wow, you're right, it is one. <gasps> Why am I acting like I'm separate from? Why am I acting like I have to be against something in order to be who I am? And then you get to a place where it's beyond words. It's being at. It's, it's called, but it means in Hebrew, liot etzlo, to be there. And you're going to be there in silence. You can't be there in words. And what are you trying to do when, when, when you're there? You try to take on, if you will, the capacity of being God-like. I'll talk about the word God, too. I don't like the word God. Terrible word. Gives a lot of trouble, this word God. Terrible word. But what we do is you try to create a, a, a... We try to see the world from God's perspective. So when I say lehit palel, prayer or Tfilah as a reflexive, it's because I am put into the position during the Amidah that I take on, if you will, a God perspective. And that's why you notice in the Kiddushah we have the angels responding to us. They are now not only singing before, quote unquote, something out there, they're singing around us because we are now looking at the world with a God perspective. And it only lasts for a moment. You can't stay there. Because remember, the whole principle in our tradition of freedom of will is based upon the fact that we are fragile and we only have a certain amount of perspective. So if I come to a road and there's a left and a right, I am making that decision of going left or right. What the reverberations of going left or right, I'll never know. Rabbi Akiva said it. What a koan, right? It's a koan. It's like you give it to a Japanese Zen guy. And say, oh, I guess it's been a year looking at that. Everything is preordained and seen, but permission is granted. <laughs> it's a, like a kind of, thing. but it's not because we only can operate out of perspective of ourselves. In the daily service, there's even a place called right after the service because in this Amida state, it is possible that you will dissolve yourself totally into God, and you will become God, and you will die. The kiss of death, and then we have this—we uh, have this thing which we now do as a sort of a substitute for that. You would lie down flat on your—it was it we now call it tachanun, and we put our hand on our shoulder. But originally, you—you'd lie down flat, prostrate, because we used to do a lot of our—we did a lot of bowing and stuff. And when our cousins started doing it, we stopped, you know. But uh, but they still do a lot of that uh, up and down. We did a lot of korim, um, um, korim alpnehem, all that stuff. We did a lot of that body stuff. Our prayers were not. Page seventy-three, please rise. Didn't have any of that, right? When the barchu was said after the korban tamid, the, the daily offering goes offered in Yerushalayim. The, the kohen would go out on the parapet of Yerushalayim, the way our cousins do with the muazin, and he'd say baruch <laughs> And wherever you were in the city of Jerusalem, he went down on your knees. He went baruch <laughs> hadad That was it. It wasn't a three-hour service. But what he was saying by saying that was. The system is working. The Mikdash performs. We have a connection. We have the possibility of making connections. I'm making this very short because of the fact of the time factor, but I'll talk more about it later. So there is this, in, in the daily service, body, heart, mind, being at one with, liot etzlo, atzilut, death. And then comes a lovely little section that's called in the Hasidic tradition, yiridat hatal, Yiridat HaTal, the falling of dew. Dew, D-E-W. And that is what the Asherah and the Aleinu at the end is. It revives you and brings you back to life. But that's based upon a Midrash that at Sinai, when the Jews stood, they all died. Because they could not stand in the presence, so they all died with a kiss of death, spiritual death. And then God sent down Yiridat HaTal, a, towel, a special Tal, the same Tal, by the way, that was saved in a jar from the Garden of Eden. Was saved up for that moment. And all the corpses of Israel were lying around Sinai. And then the Talat came and said, you know, Torah is really your life and not your death. Taste it, it will give you life. So the spiritual underpinning of the Tvilod I did it to you in 16 minutes This is unbelievable have never done this the, the, the Guinness Book people are out there waiting for me at this moment just, just to document this Is basically a journey from the mini death of sleep Which is called 60th percent of death Where your soul supposedly returns back to its source Where it's cleaned and sanforized and martinized I don't know who these guys are Sanford and Martin But they did very well in New York Martinized, sanforized comes back clean every day, every morning and you wake up anew to possibility and you say thank God I exist, existence is a gift and thank God I have a heart to feel and to connect with the people around me in the foreign community and that I have a mind to discern that there are choices to be made in life between good and evil and that I could be at one with the universe and with the divine and feel that I too can achieve a perspective that's far greater than the perspective I have here below and I'd be willing to give up my life for that because it's worth it but I know that I will be revived again. Every day we are revived again. So when it says, there was a big argument when the reform movement said, we can't believe that stuff for resurrection of the dead. Let's call it so God can revive everything, but not the dead, which I never understood, but he can do everything. But now we're back. Even the reform have come back and given you an alternative. What is it? It doesn't mean resurrection dead somewhere. It means resurrection dead now. Now. Can you be really alive today? And it's not easy. And I'll tell you a little while this afternoon, we talk about the Jewish Buddhist stuff. We'll say, all this stuff, it's really simple, but it's not easy. See the difference? All of this thing I'm saying is simple, but it's not easy. that's why you do it all the time. <laughs> you don't get there and you get a certificate. Ah, you made it. You're one with God. Boop, that's it. <laughs> I got my badge. And why a word on the word God? God is not a Jewish word. God is a word that came from probably a Germanic source, probably the word good, right? Good became God. For us, as we heard, the ineffable name can never be pronounced. Right? So a bracha would probably be said like this. <coughs> baruch, I bend my knee. That's what yeah. baruch means, right? Knee, Beberech. Ata, to you whatever the you is, everything that's not, uh, not me, right? That's you. That's how you pronounce God's name. So how do you really pronounce it? By being alive. Mindful living, breathing, is testimony to a living, if you will, deity. And then you say Eloheinu. I love what Rabbi Zalman, our teacher, does with this. He says, who gods us. Think about it. It becomes a verb and not a noun. Why must it be a verb? Because if you make it a noun, it becomes an idol. You protect your noun and he protects his, his noun. And every fundamentalist in the world has God hostage at his little noun. And if you don't agree with me, off with your head. I know, you don't know. Matter of fact, Ar- Arthur Green, who you had a couple of years ago, was my second t- teacher who gave me smicha. Arthur Green says we have to get away from the word believer even. I don't know if he said that here. Because many minute you say, I'm a believer, you're saying somebody's not. So what's the best word to use? Seeker. Seeker. I'm looking. And you know what I know, the people you meet, there are people who are naturally seekers, mechap right? Mevak Very different than saying ma'minim. You know, ma'minim means, believers, you got there. I haven't got there yet, I'll never get there. I'm on the road, we're all on the road. So, so we have to be very careful about how we use our language. And when we say God, I think it conjures up for too many people Zeus. It really does. Examine it yourself. We're raised in in Western culture. That's what it comes up. Not something that is beyond definition. Not something that is so abstract because we have problems abstraction. We do. Many ways, I think Christianity was the was was had such problems with abstraction that their midrash on the Torah, their midrash Christianity, was let's concretize God. That's going to help people. And they did it. A, it, it look, I'm not going to say anything good, My best friends are, etc., etc. But, you know, it's, it's a very problematic, problematic theological place to be in is where Christianity has brought the idea of God and death together in one thing. It's a very, very touchy. But they needed to concretize it. And we said, no, the minute we concretize it, it no longer is what it is. It becomes something that I project, that I want it to be. There is no God. There is no thing. There is nothing that I can point to specifically that says this proves anything or this proves anything. All I know is that when we say to have faith, faith means that I have the capacity to keep my life, a life of searching, a life of never being satisfied, a life of saying I am still able to grow and change because if I don't, I make myself an idol as well. Because idolatry, ultimately, my friends, is worshiping the fragment and not the whole. I love the sun. I love the sun. But I know there's something greater than the sun. I love the moon. There's something greater than the moon. I love, right? Some people say, I love my Mercedes. There's something greater than your Mercedes. And this is what we are always challenged about. We will get fixated on the fragment and endow that fragment with power almost like a talisman, if you know what I mean, a totem. And we will give that power, and we will begin to reflect everything we need on that object. And what I think what we as Jews have said for centuries is that there's always something greater than that. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. And you know what? If you take it a little further, I hate to say it, it's a very optimistic view of human nature as well. There's always something greater within ourselves that we don't even know about. And the only way we get there, by the way, the only way we get there is not through consciousness, to be honest. It's by having faith that we as human beings will, in our reaction to other human beings, continue to grow and not stay who we are. Simple, not easy. And that's why it's a lifelong effort to be a Jew and to be a human being following the Jewish path. And as you look out in the world, you say, oh, you got to you, got to you, got to you, got to you how much further we have to go. But that doesn't mean we give up. We say that even though we can't finish the work, we are not permitted, of course, to desist from it. So Shabbat Shalom, will speak to you later on this afternoon.